Adrian, obviously an important announcement. We're aware of the healthcare challenges here. Uh, I was struck by your 44% number of people showing up at the ER and thought to myself, well, I've been in that figure more than a few times uh, with my child, with my wife and, and, and myself. So uh, obviously we have a need. Uh, do you think this is going to uh, be a complete fix or is there a lot more going to be needed to done in this community to address this situation? It's not intended to be a complete fix. I think we, uh, uh, the way you address problems for me is to start and this is a significant um, uh, uh, event, I think, and a change and uh, that's going to be modeled here in Kamloops and you're going to see in different places all over the province because it addresses some specific issues. First, for the people who are unattached in, uh, in to a family doctor or a nurse practitioner in Kamloops. It's an opportunity to get care when you need care and then get connected to the health care system, get connected to the care you need in the community, get connected to the Division of Family Practice. So for them it's important and we have to address that problem. That's one in seven people. That's a lot of people. And that group also represents a very high percentage of those that go to the emergency room because they don't have other health care options. So this provides an option for that as well. It doesn't solve all the problems in the emergency room. It doesn't. I mean, the problem of people not being able to get up to the wards from the emergency room doesn't get solved by that because all of those people are, are sick enough in whatever way they're sick to be admitted to the hospital. And so they're waiting on the wards because there's not enough room on the wards. And we're going to solve that problem partly by building the new tower, and it's part of what we do, and through other things, and partly by having better care in the community so that we can discharge people with home support or in the community to get the support they need so they can be discharged so those beds can be available for people in the emergency room. So there's more than one uh, element of the problem. And if we're taking it seriously, that's what we have to do. And so um, I felt this was important. I've been, as you know, come to Kamloops dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And usually I have the press conference up on the knoll that you'll be familiar with. And so I'm not doing that today. I felt like for old time's sake going back up there and doing this here. But um, but um, so I'm very concerned with healthcare in Kamloops. It's, it's I think a bellwether of healthcare in lots of places in the province and so we want to we want to work on that here and it's different here and the UBC part of it makes it different as well uh, right here because we want to also address the long term which is that we ha need healthcare workers health professionals well into the future and this is part of uh, solving the problem it's not solving it all but it's part of solving that problem again and so my um, my idea as health minister is to build on things that the previous government did well, to correct things I don't think they did well, to put forward new ideas that make sense and that are practical, and to, um, and to try new things as well, and not be afraid of that, so that we make progress in the future and to work with communities. And uh, I think this meets the test on all those grounds. Okay. Uh, obviously, it's needed. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. I talked to some family doctors here, uh, and their concern is that it, it may evolve to poach patients away from family practices. Well, What's your take on that? Uh, uh, that that's a concern everywhere. Um, I'll just give you an example. In Surrey, they started hiring hospitalists and they, um, it, under the Liberal government. And this wasn't an intentional mistake. It's not a partisan attack on them. It just happened in that time. And uh, the health in question uh, paid the hospitalists too much against the market of what primary care doctors were getting. And so the result was they were taking people out of the community. So if this, if this is, if you're adding one and taking away one, that's a net of zero and you don't want to do that. And that's why we work with divisions and family practice on this, uh, on this model. And the main purpose of this model 
is to attach people to primary care networks in the communities, and that can be doctors and nurse practitioners, and we want to support primary care in the community by adding professionals in the communities to support primary care doctors as well. It also reflects what young people want, uh, young doctors want, resident doctors want. Uh, There's a survey taken recently of resident doctors, and 90% of them wanted to look at different models of pay than we have now. And I'm not going to get into that whole debate. Um, Fee-for-service is going to be an important part for a long time as well. But, we ha- but young doctors want to practice medicine. They're often put off by the idea of having to form their own small businesses. And so the idea here you, it, with UBC is to give people a chance to build up their roster of patients so they're prepared and then they can establish themselves in the community and not simply have to go somewhere and be hired by uh, a walk-in clinic. And again, it's it's... I think the key is that we we add, and that's what we're trying to do. So we've worked with the divisions of family practice. They have strong views here in Kamloops, uh, as you know, and I respect them very much. And we're, so we're, what, what our goal here is to try and make things better, and that's, I think, what this proposal does. Okay, uh, I believe the next stage in the Royal Inland Tower development is a final proponent selection, that's and right. then we'll start doing a that's right. so, so here, timeline here, for that. Where we here's are right? where we are. Yeah. Um, in, in April, uh, they presented their plans. In July, they're going to present their financial plans. It's all obviously all confidential as part of the bidding process amongst the three uh, proponents. Very excited about how well the business-to-business event went in March, where the proponents uh, met with local businesses to talk about how they can uh, contribute to the local economy. I think that's a very important part of, uh, of this project. That it can that it do that over the next few years, and then the assessments will happen, and we're expecting. Like I said, I think I said last October that it would be uh, we'd be naming a proponent in around October, late September, October, and that's what we're aiming towards, which is the time frame we'd set in mind. And then we got to get going, and um, I'm uh, I'm delighted to do so. The reason we absolutely decided to stay with the model, we absolutely decided to keep going, and uh, I think we have an excellent uh, CEO of IH. And that decision will be made. The decision on the preferred proponent will be made by the person who makes the best proposal. And I think people should have an assurance of that, and that's what we want to do. And so this is a hospital for the next 50 years here. And we need to get it right, and we need to do it well. But there's also urgency, because um, Royal Inlet, we've needed this replacement, I would say, for at least 15 years. And so we're behind in that sense, and we need to get going. A cardiac side, obviously there's a demand for an improved cardiac uh, center or facility here. Uh, there there are, and, and I think um, I should say on the cardiac side that I'm pleased with what's happened in the last 16 months. I mean, 16 months ago, we had one cardiologist here, one, yeah. this whole community, one. And now we got six, and that took a lot of work for people at Royal Inland. So that's a very practical side of it, and we are improving cardiac care. But it's not just cardiac care. Um, there, we have to improve uh, cancer care. I talked in the, when I was talking to to people here of the fact that two, there'll be two and a half times as many people over 75. That means even if we improve outcomes or do better health prevention with respect to cancer, we're going to have more cancer 20 years from now cases, more survivors of cancer because our treatment is better than we have now. And that requires, it seems to me, um, better care in all kinds of areas. So in cardiac and cancer and all kinds of care. And that doesn't mean we're announcing anything right away or anything like that. But what it means is that we are focused on these areas of care. And I think Kamloops, as we go forward, is increasingly going to become the center of health care. I believe, ultimately, and other people always say it's going to be, we're going to be taken over. Health care is about people, right? It's not about machines, it's about people providing care. 
we need more care aid. We need a lot more care aid. 90% of care homes when I became Minister of Health didn't meet provincial standards. That means 900 more care aids, net new. And between a quarter and a third of care aids are over 55. So that means we have to replace the ones we have now and add on that. That's a significant project. And so at all levels of healthcare, there are these pressures. And uh, I think uh, the September budget tabled by Carol James and the February budget tabled by Carol James are the two best, most recent budgets in recent years for healthcare. But it's for seniors' care, it's reducing wait times for surgery, improving primary care, improving access to prescription drugs. These are the priority of people, and uh, that's what we've done. On the doctor front, uh, people are leaving sort of the doctor profession, either by voluntary leaving the province or uh, retiring at rates that are faster than we can graduate them. I, I've asked you this before, but uh, is it time or will you soon take the cap off so that we can start pumping more doctors into the system or no? Well, what, what we need to do is what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, we're adding in this primary care plan 200 primary care doctors to support teams across British Columbia. We're adding 200 nurse practitioners. We're adding 50 pharmacists and funding them and funding them to the long term. still a cap and my, on the my, my main criticism of, uh, it, well, there's a significant increase in the number of spaces and there has been. Um, I, I don't think any program of that kind in any profession has unlimited numbers. There's a significant number. And remember, people, people want numbers, they want quality as well. And the experience has to be one of quality. Right? I mean, there are people being trained at medical schools around the world, and many come eventually find their ways in North America and around the world find their way to British Columbia. So there's those questions in terms of access. But the experience, the resident experience, has to be of high quality here. And that means we have to deliver, um, if we want the best doctors, the highest quality of education. But what's also true is that young doctors are, see the world differently. They see quality of life issues differently. They're looking for different models of health care, like that that's going to be provided here in urgent primary care. And so we have to, be, we have to reflect that. And uh, that's going to allow us to take the people we're training and to, um, and to uh, have them working in British Columbia. And that's critical for us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. We're having, we're, we're ha- you see, people, we're, we're having this interview out, out in public yeah, we here. We're not protected uh, uh, as Shane regularly is. He's yeah. usually protected I'm in these interviews. Protected, yes. Because uh, we don't let him out to the public. It's, n- it's not like Angelo, who's r- routinely mobbed when he goes out in yeah. public. Uh, Shane needs protection. In his own mind. I'm here. I'm here to provide political and physical protection to Shane Winter. Excellent. Uh, last line of questioning. Uh, the opioid crisis, I know, yeah. is, is largely shared by Judy Darcy, but, I mean, it obviously impacts your, your ministry. Um, you mentioned the drag on ER systems and people needing primary care. Fair enough. Uh, but there's also a pretty big drag on the ambulance service and the fire service on the emergency rooms from the overdose crisis, which, if you can somehow figure out a way to beat down those numbers, would take some of the pressure off as well. But, but and, you know, the first thing we did, you know, the first budget, the September 2017 budget, there was $300 million. It was a massive investment to address addiction issues and the opioid crisis. And, and, it's, uh, and I think the public has been ahead of the politicians in this question and what they're prepared to consider because it's their children who are dying and sometimes their parents who are dying. And we've had this experience in Kamloops. I don't want to talk about individual cases, but it has hit every strata and community of society here. And we know that and you know that. And so um, 
Uh, it's a huge priority for us. Uh, we're doing, Judy Darcy's doing a huge effort. I think the community here in Campbell, so I want to praise the mayor and the council and the community for the work they're doing. This is all of our efforts because these are our um, family members, our children, and nobody has been unaffected by this crisis. So it's a priority, and I don't see it, um, and I don't think we should see it as an issue of dollars and cents. I think it's an issue of, uh, you know, we lost 1,400 people to the opioid crisis last year, and we have to solve it. And if it was just a matter of money, that'd be one thing. But um, people are importing poison into our province, and that's one thing. And then there's ongoing issues that have been here for a long time. And we have to, uh, we have to take action. It involves action at every level. This is primarily a health care problem. It's, a, it's also a policing problem. Uh, in, 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 to some extent, but it's mainly a healthcare problem, and I think Judy Darcy is doing a good job. But look, it doesn't make it easy, we, we, and we've got work to do together to get it solved. And that's where I'm on the Mental Health and Addictions Committee of Cabinet, and we're working hard on it. Are you? Last question. Are you worried though? And I've heard from uh, frontline responders, nurses, ambulance paramedics, those in the ER. The, the sheer ferocity of the numbers. I mean, we talk about the death toll. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of other people are getting treated and surviving, right? I mean, it's amazing with naloxone, but people are getting stressed out. Uh, they're suffering mental health issues. They're getting burned out on the job. Is that a concern on your end? Absolutely. Absolutely. In, in every way. And we've seen this and we've had this experience, you know, in, in, in there are two crises, crises that were with us when the NDP government arrived in office. One was the wild fires and the people and I talked about that a little bit today and about the really heroic efforts of healthcare workers but the truth is that had a profound effect on people too and you know people go home but the effect is lasting and that's true the op opioid crisis as well I've talked to ambulance paramedics and people who work in ERs and people in the community and families and addictions workers who work with people and then lose them um, it's a powerful thing, and it's one of the reasons why we move to the, you know, it's, it's important to move to the presumptive uh, work safe on PTSD for a whole bunch of first responders, and we're looking at other classes of workers there as well. But you're absolutely right that those issues for the people working in healthcare are, um, are going to be um, profound for a long time to come. And people in healthcare are used to difficult situations. They're used, of course, because lots of us pass away in hospital, lots of us do. Some of our last days in hospitals or in hospice or somewhere else uh, that's involved in the healthcare system. But I think the, the quality of what's happening now on the opioid crisis is profound for people who have to live with it every day. And even for those of us who deal with it at some distance, it's profound, but the people who actually work with people and and go out on calls, uh, ambulance and fire and people who are first responders and everyone involved in that system. I, I don't think there's a person who's per not profoundly uh, affected. Is there any way to help them? I think there is. And the ambulance service and other agencies are taking special efforts to do that. Um, so absolutely I do. And absolutely we must. Not just in our own interest, we want people to get through it and continue to do the amazing work that they do. But because, um, as employers, that should be our obligation always. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks, Matthew. Yeah. Appreciate your time. As always, yeah, it's great. Sorry to do